Hey guys, thanks for checking out the podcast again. We've got a uh, great conversation with uh, a company called OVH Cloud. They may not be the biggest cloud provider in the world, but they are very well established and one that you should definitely know about. We just did a paper on their GPU instances. We'll talk about that uh, in terms of what that means in AI development most uh, importantly, and also how you can get started with OVH, what their services are, and, and all sorts of other things. Uh, so Jeffrey Greger, or Greger as I'm, I'm told you prefer to go by, is here from OVH. Thanks, uh, Greger, for doing this with, with me. Yeah, great great to be here. Very happy to talk to you and uh, whatever live audience we have on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thanks for setting that up, Gregor. We are streaming this live to our Discord audience. Uh, so if you've got questions, feel free to uh, post them in the chat. Jordan's moderating and we'll make sure to, to get the, the good ones to me if you guys come up with such a thing. Uh, and for you guys catching this on iTunes or whatever your podcast uh, uh, tool is or on YouTube for the video, we do have a, a Discord, highly active, where you can participate with our team in real time and a couple hundred other uh, uh, friends that are into IT topics. And uh, that is linked to from the top right corner of storageview.com and I'll put a link to it in the, uh, the description as well. Less on me, more on you, Gregor. I, I set this up as, as OVH is a cloud that we've known about, of course, for many, many years. The GPU project was the first time that we'd worked together on a review, so I'm thrilled to, to have gotten that done and for what we can do with you guys in the future. But set up for the audience, who is OVH Cloud and what's your target, if you can do that in, in a few minutes or less, it's a big question. Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, so uh, I expect that this is uh, a mostly or maybe exclusively US audience or maybe, maybe it's international, but uh, as you mentioned at the top, uh, OVH Cloud used to be known only as OVH, but we've been OVH Cloud for several years, um, is, depending on which survey you look at, uh, the seventh or eighth largest cloud provider in the world. And we're the only one that's in the top 10 uh, that's headquartered in Europe. So uh, I'm the general manager and president of OVH Cloud US. We're a Delaware Incorporated LLC, uh, so we're our own separate company, but we're a wholly owned subsidiary of OVH Cloud in France. And they've been doing business since 1999. And like I said, globally, uh, they're the you know, seventh or eighth largest cloud provider in, in the world. And the only one that's not uh, a US or Chinese company in the top 10. We've been operating the US company uh, since 2000. Well, we started selling in 2018. We actually started it incorporated late 2016, started hiring employees in 2017. Uh, and both OVH Cloud in France and OVH Cloud US are in uh, themselves global companies. So about a third of my customers are from outside of the US and we serve US residential customers and we serve anyone in the world who wants to buy our servers or services here. And we also can deliver services in any of OVH Cloud's global data centers, so uh, North America, US, Canada, Europe, uh, in the UK, Germany, uh, and France, India, Singapore, and Australia. And you might have seen uh, some news recently. We just made an acquisition of a company called Gridscale uh, out of Germany, and that's going to allow us to uh, put our services in a lot more edge locations uh, that we'll be rolling out uh, soon. 
Uh, last thing, maybe just to, to close out this question is, so what you need to know about OVH Cloud is we're a pure play cloud provider. All we do is cloud, but unlike uh, other competitors who are mostly either focused on public cloud or private cloud or some uh, niche folks who do just bare metal, we do all the clouds and we always have. So we're very strong in bare metal and that you know was our basis from you know many years ago. Uh, we also offer private cloud, which is you know dedicated resources on you know industry standard sort of stacks. Like we've been long-term partners with VMware, we're partners with Nutanix. So if you need dedicated resources for both you know physical and logical isolation, bare metal, or uh, a well-known stack on VMware or uh, Nutanix, and then we also run our own public cloud. Uh, Again, I'm not 100% sure, but it either is or at some point it was the largest um, operation of OpenStack in the world. And mm -hmm. we're really focused on public cloud because that's where we know the market is growing very fast and it's very easy for people to get in uh, and use public cloud. And we're also building some key platform as a service offerings like database as a service and AI and machine learning uh, tools uh, on top of it. So that, that's what you need to know about OVH Cloud. <laughs> okay, well you did, you did well. I said in a few minutes and, and you, uh, you hit that target. So I, I get the scale and that's important. I'm glad you set that up. Uh, when we think about your, your big competitors, your big global competitors, and I know you probably don't want to you know, name them and go head to head, but when we think about AWS, Azure, GCP, the common ones here, at least in the US, They've many of them have made their focus to have a billion instances of different shapes and and something for everyone. But I suspect that for OVH, you guys have to be a little more targeted about where you make those investments uh, to make sure that you're able to to implement support and that obviously customers want to pay for those. When you think about some of these new services like the GPU offering, which we'll get into here in a little bit. What does OVH have to do there that may be different from your massive competitors or maybe even different from your much smaller you know, regional uh, CSPs or whatever that might kind of dip a toe into this kind of thing as well? Sure, well, I think you know, even, even uh, Google and Microsoft and the other hyperscalers uh, you know, realized and admitted you know, years ago uh, that AWS had you know, such a large start and I don't think you know, anybody is really trying to match them on you know item by item and uh, we're certainly not so we are trying to give our customers all of the right building blocks that they need and we certainly support multi-cloud we know uh the research that's out there both from talking to analysts and folks like you and our customers uh and others that you know most companies are using at least two cloud providers if not three and so uh, we think we have a place in that multi-cloud uh, environment. Again, we're strong maybe in some areas uh, where others aren't, particularly on bare metal or some of our private cloud uh, offerings. And then on the public cloud side, yeah, we're not trying to give every uh, microservice and you know everything that you know the, the hyperscalers or even some other providers might have. We're trying to give the key building blocks plus the the main platform as a service offerings that we think our customers in the market need and like i said those are mostly around databases of service and of course ai and machine learning and you know notebooks and things that support data lakes um, and various different types of storage offerings 
um, are, you know, is the sweet spot for us right now. So we're not trying to be everything to everybody, but I think we certainly fit in this uh, ecosystem. And another key aspect of how OVH Cloud operates is that, you know, we don't lock our customers in, uh, even though we have offerings, like I said, with VMware and Nutanix, and, you know, we uh, offer, you know, Microsoft uh, Windows licenses on, on our bare metal servers and different things. Those are sort of the de facto industry standards, but we really support open source software. And even through acquisitions that we've done, our founder, Octav Klaba, you know, has a vision to, you know, generally, you know, productize, but then open source, uh, you know, some of that software that we get uh, from companies that we acquire. Um, so our customers are free to come and go and use us for the workloads that are appropriate for them. And if they need to put other workloads uh, elsewhere, we, we recognize that it's a multi-cloud world. Well, I mean, you're not wrong about that, of course. And your strength in, in Europe has got to be nice for your U.S.-based customers to know that if they're with you here in the U.S., that that you're as strong or stronger, you know, maybe in, in, I don't know, say France or like, like you mentioned for the HQ. What do you guys think about um, in terms of footprint of where these data centers are? Are you expanding that through new investment or is that largely through acquisition? Uh, it's generally through new investments. So OVH Cloud, we're a, uh, a build it here company and we're very vertically integrated. So another thing to know about OVH Cloud is again, unlike most other providers, we design and build our own servers. So we sort the components, but it's OVH Cloud designs. Uh, we do everything from bending the sheet metal to putting the racks together, you know, building the servers, cabling them. And then we own and operate uh, our data centers around the world. And I you know, gave you a, an overview of the locations before. Um, but in the coming years and months, uh, we're planning to expand rapidly. So uh, at some point uh, in the future, we're going to add a central U.S. data center, probably uh, in Texas or uh, you know, somewhere in the central region. We have a data center in Virginia and we have a data center in Oregon. So we've got the east and west coast of the U.S. covered. Uh, we've had a data center in Montreal in Canada for uh, about 10 years, a little over 10 years. And early next year, we're launching a new data center in Toronto. So we'll have four North American data centers. Uh, we just opened a data center in India, which I mentioned earlier in the call. And we're looking to expand uh, our Singapore and our Australian data centers, uh, as well as some additional data centers in Europe. And also, like I mentioned earlier, with this acquisition we've just done of the German company called Gridscale, um, they're going to allow us to get out into other locations where we already have points of presence. So we've got many points of presence uh, around the world where we don't you know, necessarily have a data center uh, full of servers that we're operating, but that will very quickly allow us to you know, expand our reach, uh, you know, first by tens of locations and then eventually by hundreds. Well, the, I mean, I'm a hardware nerd, so I, I kind of stopped listening after you said you bend your own metal. I mean, for, <laughs> I mean that's somewhat unheard of you know, anymore, right? Because you've got the OCP movement, uh, of course, you know, that Meta and uh, Azure and you know, some of the enterprise guys are, are supporting, which is, which is one thing. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're making what you want to consume on the hardware side. And then you've got 
you know, a lot of the, 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 the ISG, the server guys that are trying to build solutions exactly for um, uh, your scale of, of hyperscale to give you, you know, prepackaged solutions. And obviously those aren't working for you either, either economically or feature set. Tell me a little bit more. I mean, I realize you may not be the, the metal bending guy, but tell me a little bit more about that program and what, what you're doing there and why you feel like that gives you guys a, a competitive advantage. Sure, it, it's a couple of things. So it allows us to, you know, control the whole, um, you know, part of the supply chain from when we get the components through, like I said, when we build it and deliver it to our data center. It also allows us to come up with uh, the configurations that, uh, you know, our customers need uh, in the market. So we can, you know, design these to have, uh, you know, various different configurations of RAM, and disks, you know, from you know, spinning disks for a lot of, uh, you know, slower storage up to the latest, you know, NVMe drives. Uh, so we offer a wide variety of configurations. Uh, and the other reason that we do it is we've been operating since, you know, around 2000 or the early 2000s, our own proprietary water cooling. Uh, Ooh, so okay. instead of air conditioning all of our data centers, uh, we use water cooling uh, you know, directly to the chips and other components on the board. So it's very efficient. Uh, most of it operates at ambient temperature. Although, you know, in the in the summer months, we do have you know supplemental uh, cooling. But it allows us to be uh, very environmentally friendly and uh, have some industry leading you know power usage effectiveness, uh, water usage effectiveness, and even carbon usage. Uh, effective you know, PUE, WE, and CUE. Yeah. Um, and we've got commitments, you know, to be a leader in that area. And also with this uh, vertical integration and cyclic uh, internal uh, life cycle for our servers, we also give multiple lives to these servers. So every 18 months or so, we refresh uh, our business and enterprise, you know, class of servers and come out with the latest, you know, CPUs and uh, fastest RAM, uh, you know, and drives, etc. But then we don't just get the old ones, and we have a commitment to not put, you know, e-waste to landfills in the in the next coming years. We repurpose those existing servers. Maybe we remove some of the features, adjust uh, some of the, you know, feeds and speeds. Um, but we, you know, reprice them, and we keep offering them, you know, in different um, configurations for several years. Uh, down the line, because we know that there's a you know huge market out there, and not everybody needs the latest and greatest for every application or workload, sure. or not everyone can afford it. So if you're an individual just trying to learn to be a sysadmin, and you need to get your hands on a bare metal server so you can uh, you know use IPMI and uh, you know do some other things to to get yourself set up, uh, then you can do it. Uh, or again, depending on the workload. We've actually had a lot of customers come to us asking for, you know, four core servers, and you know, hey, it's not the it's not the 1990s anymore. Like all, <laughs> most of the servers, you know, have have tons of cores, right? But you know, some some people want four core machines because of you know databases and other software that you know is very punitive on charging you for every core. And uh, so there's still some use cases out there for that, even if it's a several year old uh, server, you know, somebody's got a use for it. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit because we're seeing eight cores or more on DPUs now, <laughs> which are, <Yeah. laughs> which, you know, which are, are net add-ins, which is kind of funny. But 
You're right, and and you said early on in the in the conversation that OVH. Um, didn't want to penalize customers with long contracts and give you some flexibility. What you didn't say, but you started to say there though too, is that in my experience with OVH, you guys tend to be much more cost effective than other solutions, right? And maybe some of that's because of the flexibility to come in and out without uh, having to contract a big chunk of credits that you burn against, uh, which is a, a common modality. So I don't, I don't want to position you guys as always low cost because I'm sure customers will spend plenty of money with you, but you do have a lot of low cost options, which I think from the, uh, like you said, the experience from training, from experience, from getting hands on with these things, if you can do it for a couple bucks here and there, you probably don't care if the system's a little bit older. It doesn't make any difference. You're still learning how to be a practitioner of some of these services and setting up you know, Kubernetes or database, as you said, or whatever you want. It's a great way to, to have access to a, a pretty robust playground. Yeah, again, that, that, that's the view of our, our founder, Octav Klaba, like one of his sayings and, you know, one, one of the uh, sayings at OVH Cloud is innovation for freedom. And, you know, he really wants to uh, let everyone uh, in the world, uh, you know, build their freedom in the cloud and so if we can offer something at the appropriate price point uh for everyone you know along the spectrum that's uh, a benefit to us and a benefit uh to them and yeah I, I certainly uh don't position ovh cloud as uh you know cheap or low priced although we do have very competitively uh priced offerings and some of them are low but you know we look at at look at it as delivering uh high value and high performance for uh, price and that you know uh, again allows us to address this you know long tail of the market and also allow some of our uh, partners to use our infrastructure with their value added services on top of it and uh, you know offer it to folks who might not be able to pay uh, you know enterprise uh, you know sort of rates and you know, just on that point um, you know our customer base ranges from people who literally do pay us $1 a month for a very small VPS up to enterprise customers who pay us million dollars a month and everywhere in between. Sure. Um, but right now in the U.S., our, our sweet spot is, you know, SMBs and smaller enterprise customers who pay us, you know, say between, you know, 50 and 200K per month. But, you know, anywhere in between. We certainly service lots of customers that pay us 10,000, 1,000, and like I said, uh, lots of individuals, you know, that maybe just have a VPS or uh, an older uh, bare metal server that maybe pay us, you know, $50 a month. Well, there's two things there. Like when you're talking about building your own servers and being able to adopt the latest technologies, Gen 5 Flash, high-speed interconnects, which in your business is probably uh, extremely critical when you get into talking about shared storage and, and things like that. Uh, that's at one end of the high performance scale. And, and also, as you're mentioning, there's the fact of the matter is that most SMBs, SMEs, you know, robo deployments, anything edgy, really doesn't need that much performance. What they need is reliability. They need uptime. They need cost effectiveness. They need ease of use. They need a bunch of other stuff that the cloud can deliver. doesn't always, but can deliver. And uh, it seems like that you're finding a, a sweet spot right there. Well, maybe a couple different sweet spots, depending on the, the persona of your customer. Yeah, I think I think it's the right price for you, know, as you're saying, what what they what the market or the customers need. Um, 
And also, uh, I think we've got a very compelling story for helping uh, people move to the cloud. And that, you know, that's one of the things that I think, you know, we position ourselves well against, you know, the hyperscalers and some other ones, because, you know, years ago, the cloud was, you know, what AWS said it was. And a lot of people said, oh, well, we need to move to the cloud, but they didn't really understand that moving to the public cloud requires you to do some refactoring and, uh, you know, changing how you operate uh, your workloads. And then especially, you know, even more so with Kubernetes and uh, containerization. But with our broad range of products, uh, people who want to get the benefits of the cloud, which are, uh, you know, predictable pricing, uh, great performance, you know, monthly, uh, you know, subscription payments instead of upfront, uh, you know, capital expenditures uh, every couple years, uh, et cetera. You can do that with a lift and shift to our bare metal cloud. You can do it if you're used to running VMware or Nutanix on-prem uh, or in a colo, uh, you know, zero skills gap, because we know there's a lot of uh, skills gap in the market and for companies who do want to modernize their apps or build modern apps. And there's a, you know, uh, a lack of skills out in the market. So as I like to, you know, joke and say, you know, you, there's plenty of these, uh, you know, like me, gray beard, uh, sys admins who know their way around a Linux box or a, a Windows uh, server. And, you know, you can take that first step and get a lot of the benefits from the cloud, even if you're not ready to modernize your apps. And then you're already in the cloud in an ecosystem that you understand that you're not locked into. And then you can work on moving over to public cloud or Kubernetes. And even on that point, Kubernetes, we offer, you know, you can run Kubernetes on everything uh, we have, we've got, you know, fully CNCF certified, uh, you know, managed Kubernetes service on our public cloud. Of course, you can get uh, Kubernetes on um, uh, bare metal if you want to install it yourself, any flavor. And then there's Tanzu on VMware and Nutanix has their own version of Kubernetes. So if you want Kubernetes, you can do it again, public cloud, private cloud on debtor. A bunch of different courses. ways, yeah. What, what, whatever skill set you have. <laughs> Right. Hey, so I also want to go back to, to what you're talking about on the sustainability side. Obviously, being liquid cooled gives you some advantages for all of the efficiency that you were talking about. But reusing the servers for as long as possible is something that's become a hot button lately, maybe a little more from the storage perspective. So one of our good friends, John Michael Hands, the Chia storage guy, has been on a personal mission to get storage from going in the shredder to being securely erased and repurposed and, and so that it can be used again and have future life. But the same could be said for GPUs, for servers, for, for other technology, that just because it ages out and may not be as economically efficient or, or fiscally as efficient as whatever new servers you're putting in there, shredding that just seems like a tremendous disservice to not to be hyperbolic, but to the planet, right? I mean, that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm glad to see you guys trying to get more life out of these systems. Can you talk at all about what you do at the very end of life of these systems? Is there any recycling program or something a little more harmonious, I'm hoping, than just chucking it in a e-waste pile? Oh, yeah. Like like I said, we, we have a commitment in, in the next couple of years to, uh, you know, not send any of this to... Uh, e-waste. So yeah, we certainly try and yeah, again, use it and get the maximum amount of life out of it and then recycle 
um, as as much as we can. And I do just want to make one other point is that this isn't something that we've just jumped on the bandwagon because sustainability and green and, you know, sort of greenwashing and all, all that is, you know, the, the hot topic of the day. Uh, this has been in the company's DNA since the beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, we've been doing the water cooling since, you know, the early 2000s. And we didn't even know how good we were at this because again, like it's just how we're used to operating. Uh, the company, the parent company in France went public a few years ago, about 18 months to 20 months ago uh, on the Euronext exchange in Paris. Paris, And when they were doing the due diligence uh, for that and all the roadshows and everything, that's when they realized like people, the you know investors and, and uh, the banks and everyone were telling them, do you guys realize what a great story you have here? This is just like what you do, and this is what everybody's like trying to get to, and you've just been doing it the whole time you've existed. So I, I think that's a great part of our story. No, it's certainly compelling. Of course, you know when we talk to enterprise customers that are figuring out how to make their data centers more efficient, especially when it comes to GPU servers, which as you know, can be thousands of watts just in their, their own box. Um, it's daunting. So the HPC guys, uh, educational institutions have been on this for some time now, but the enterprise, I don't know how many more generations of, of air-cooled, pure air-cooled servers and uh, especially GPU servers there will be. It can't be too much more until something has to be done there, whether it's a closed radiated loop, whether it's a liquid door, whether it's full immersion or, or full liquid loop. I mean, there's a lot of choices, but it, it will come to it at, at a certain point. Um, I, I've got a question here around security, and I want to ask you here too, in terms of you know, building all of your hardware is one thing, securing it is another. Can you talk a little bit about your security approach? And then I've got a, a follow-up for you. Okay, sure. I mean, uh, we, we're certified to, uh, you know, all the standards, you know, SOC and uh, ISO, and we've got, uh, you know, for uh, all of our product offerings, uh, here at OVH Cloud US, you know, we're certified for, um, you know, to the at the at the infrastructure level, what level what we deliver to our customers. Certainly not to the applications that they're running on them, um, but what we deliver, you know, PCI DSS and HIPAA compliance. Um, of course, we've got you know our own physical uh, security protocols. So yeah, just just like any any data center, we've got all the physical and uh, logical security to keep your uh, data safe. And I mean, at, at this point, uh, you know, having, you know, the appropriate security and uh, certification so customers can be uh, confident in the safety of their data is table stakes. Nobody's going to be in the business if they can't uh, deliver that at this point. Well, one of our guys in, in Discord, I, I think, echoes your sentiment and, uh, and says, since OVH is known to handle DDoS attacks exceptionally well, I wanted to ask, how the network can basically handle everything <laughs> and the and what's the process of patching new vectors. I mean, you talked a little bit about it right there. I I was unaware that you guys have such a great reputation when it comes to uh, to something as specific as as uh, DDoS attacks, but uh, clearly that that's a focus for you guys. And I mean, it's a focus for everyone, but it's a fair question. Like, how do you keep your eye on the ball from enabling all the services we've been talking about and then layering on these additional and emerging and continually changing cyber attack issues at the same time. 
Yeah, well, again, I, I, it, it's, it's not a plant, but whoever brought, brought that up, I'll, I'll just uh, make a few, few words about it. But yeah, that, that's another uh, feature that we have. It's a homegrown system, uh, our anti-DDoS uh, solution. Um, and I think you can look it up on the internet. It was maybe three or four years ago, uh, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, yeah, our anti-DDoS uh, solution has withstood, you know, some of the largest, uh, you know, attacks on the internet and protected our customers. So that's something we're proud of and something that comes uh, with all of the servers uh, that we deliver to our customers. Um, and then, yeah, of course, internally for all of our systems that we use to support and deliver the services to our customers, we're always uh, vigilant uh, and have lots of uh, very good internal controls to keep those safe and make sure everything is patched. Um, and then really, uh, because we're an infrastructure as a service and a platform as a service provider, uh, you know, what we deliver to the customer goes to that level. And I think really where a lot of the vulnerabilities come in is more than on, you know, the end user level that they, they're responsible for, you know, keeping their applications and what they install uh, on our infrastructure uh, and platforms, uh, you know, safe. But we, we do everything that we can to uh, make sure that what's delivered to them is passed. And then uh, the, the services that we deliver that, you know, we operate, you know, the backplane for like our, you know, VMware solution or uh, Nutanix or, of course, our uh, OpenStack um, and platform as a service offerings. Of course, you know, we're, we're managing the patching and things. Uh, for those for the customer but if they're buying you know bare metal or some other you know dedicated resources then of course they're they they have to manage you know the the application level yeah well yeah it's it's good so i'm i'm glad that that came through and you're able to to share some of that uh, that history and i guess too i mean this goes back to Again, I'm a hardware guy, so I get stuck on this. But when you bend your own stuff, you select your own parts, you standardize on some things, it does make it easier in some ways to uh, be able to uh, ensure the, the, the root of trust there to build that out to, to make sure that, that you're testing and, and validating firmware and then pushing it to you know, hope, hopefully fewer com different components across your, your entire stack. Um, so we, we started this, this project with you guys on the GPU servers. I know that's a relatively new offering for you in, in uh, OVH Cloud US anyway. You've got the NVIDIA V100s in there. Jordan uh, on our team uh, did some of his AI work through, those, uh, through those, that instance, those cards. Also Vince from our uh, video team was in there messing around a little bit too. And both of them came away with like, this is pretty neat, easy to use, and really cost effective. Uh, I think all of those those themes came through in our review, which we'll link to in uh, in the notes for anyone that wants to check out the GPU instances that OVH Cloud offers. But talk a little bit about the GPU instances and why that's important uh, going forward to, for your customers. Yeah, I, th I think it really ties into or ties together everything we've been talking about. So. Uh, that's certainly you know where the interest is in the market right now, and what we're offering uh, at the moment is just you know uh, the bare GPUs. So they're part of our public cloud stack. So you get them uh, you know in a uh, you know public cloud VM with you know one, two, uh, or four GPUs um, attached to the instance, 
and uh, you know to tie in this the story. So they're they're an older model, right? At this point, so they're V100s, uh, but they're still uh, really appropriate and set up to do uh, the key things like uh, you know learning uh, or you know training the large language models and you know a lot of the things that customers are interested in right now with the craze of AI and machine learning. And we are going to be coming out with the you know more recent H100s and A100s. Um, but everybody knows, I think, that those are a very expensive and b very difficult to get. So we're we're making a, a great offering out to the market that it's not the latest and greatest. But if you can't find anything else, and or you can't afford the latest and greatest, these will definitely get the job done. And the way we have them priced, uh, again, I think it's a very uh, compelling offer. So they're a little slower, but you know the price offset. You know, I think gives the performance to price ratio, uh, you know, well well above one compared to you know something that's newer or faster. And then looking forward, well, yeah. Before you go forward on that point, just to make it abundantly clear, is having access to basically the graphics DDR is really what you're after. And so these V100 still have a reasonable footprint there. And for anyone, any small org, any org at all, that's developing models on uh, a workstation of some kind now that has some GPU or limited GPU in it, even, even an A4, 5, 6,000, and you wanna take that to the next level, that was our use case with, with what we were doing here saying, look, all of this action is happening on workstations, much of it's happening on workstations. So if we segment out HPC, if we segment out the top fortune, you know, 100, 150, whatever, and then look at everything else, a lot of that's happening on workstations. And so the cloud, and especially the instances that you guys offer, are yours are a super cost-effective way to take that model to the next level. And, and I don't think you always need the latest NVIDIA or Instinct or Gaudi or whatever to be able to bring those to life. It's really about AI as a progression and and there are instances like this out there that a lot of people don't know about. So that's why we were excited about it. And uh, you know, I know you said that already, but I really wanted to hammer home the point that, that this isn't just an alternate GPU instance. This is a perfect instance for a lot of use cases to go forward with. Yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate it. And again, yeah, there's there's no lock-in. There's lo no long-term contract. Uh, you can get it. We've got this this great pricing for you. Know, just pay for it by the hour. If you want to commit to a whole month, uh, it's cheaper. And if you want to buy high volume and you've got some you know large uh, training sets that you want to run for a couple weeks or a couple months, uh, you know, call us and I'm I'm sure we can make a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but you're evaluating, I mean, you must be all the time looking at new GPUs, new accelerators, new, I, I mentioned DPUs before. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. It feels more dynamic than ever in terms of networking interfaces and protocols, GPUs, FPGAs, you know, smart this, smart that. Your team always evaluating these things, but they must be either having the, the time of their life or the living nightmare to, to sort through not only the testing and validation, but as you said, the access to even be able to buy, you know, a, a couple hundred units of whatever it is that they're that they want to adopt. Yeah, we we've got some great and uh, in a in a pos in a positive way. Yeah, like some really uh, geeky nerdy, you know, great engineers 
to yeah they they love this they love uh building and testing and uh you know uh you know evaluating uh what the next products will be and you know what we're looking at in addition to just offering uh you know like i said the instances with the gpus for uh people to use directly is we know a lot of people are very interested in you know uh large language models and they want to run it on their own data um, but they don't want to run it on you know don't want to expose their data to these services uh yeah. in the cloud so uh as part of you know further platform offering that we're going to come out with you know we're we're looking at building out that offering where you can have a large language model that you can have operate on your own data uh, and again that's a, a huge thing for OVH cloud like you're always in control of your data we don't move it and put it somewhere that you don't know where it is or make backups and put them offshore or something so we respect our customers data and they always know and are in complete control uh, of their data and so that's why you know some solutions that we're looking at you know coming out to the market in the future are in that that sort of vein well, it's it's funny you bring that up because the podcast that will air right before this one is uh, Jordan from our team and, and I talking AI and we talked about this specific part of the progression too is that you know how do you get started in AI and most of us know AI through ChatGPT or one of the image generators or something along those lines but you're right that organizations are apprehensive to put their data into those models in the public version but there are APIs, there are other ways to consume those things. And what you're talking about, it sounds like a, a, a productized uh, kind, of, kind of way to do that. And that will be very interesting. So certainly keep us in the loop as you progress on that. I think a lot of uh, smaller organizations especially would be very interested in that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a private cloud uh, AI machine, machine learning model, a, a big, a big you know, catchphrase over in Europe and it's starting to get some traction here, although it's probably not the right term is, you know, data sovereignty. So mm -hmm. uh, they, they really want to be in control of their data. And so, you know, we'll, we'll guarantee that, you know, if you run it on, you know, these resources with OVH Cloud, you know, you're in complete control. And, you know, we don't look at our customers' data or even do, we don't even do any AI or machine learning ourselves, like looking at their metadata, trying to understand anything about how they're using it. You know, that, that's just not, you know, our mindset or how we're designed. We, we really respect our, our customers' data and their privacy. Well, that is another key point on the privacy side. I mean, I think it was Zoom that got in trouble for that a couple of weeks ago, you know, making some sort of intimation or maybe it was a, a full-fledged statement that they were doing you know, that kind of thing. And customers were all like, well, hold up now. Yeah. <laughs> are we sure? Yeah. Okay. So it's not the conversation itself, but the metadata, what exactly does that include and, and what sort of inferences are you making based on that data? And that's very uncomfortable uh, when you talk about, and, and there's a perpetual fear of, of trade secrets being stolen, IP being harvested, uh, especially if you're in the physical manufacturing of anything or even software. I mean, we see this every week. There's an, another uh, breach or, or leak or, or competitive espionage kind of thing going on. It's it's relatively scary from from that front. Um, yeah, well, that, so I'm, yeah, I'm glad to hear you're not doing that. Yeah, well, and that, yeah, we we also always say yeah, we like I said, we're a, a, a cloud provider, and that's all we uh, aspire to be. So we're not trying to uh, compete with our customers. So we want to deliver them uh, the cloud that they can use, and then build their service and deliver their value add to their customers 
and yeah, rural or perceived, you know, there there are stories out there about other you know large cloud providers who might might be doing some of that uh, metadata mining or whatever, and then say, oh hey, yeah, this uh, this customer of ours, they seem to be pretty successful or getting a lot of traffic on this thing, and then you know in a couple of weeks, you know, they've got their own version of what whatever that uh, you know tool or software is. That that that's not how we operate at OVH Cloud. Well, that's good to know. Um, and I would tell you that, that uh, I'm getting some feedback from the Discord team and, and, and other messages that a lot of these guys up in Toronto want to come see your, your data center to the extent that uh, I don't know where you are in, in, the, in the process there, but I think we might need a, a storage review field trip to check that out. There's a ton of interest in the liquid cooling scenarios. There's a ton of interest in in the uh, the server, so you, you guys probably don't want to show too much, but if you do, let me know. We'd be happy to to send a uh, a crew of of uh, cross between AI nerds and home labbers that want to come check out your operation. <laughs> okay, great. Well, yeah, we can certainly explore that in the future, but uh, I think we have, and we might need to um, you know do a little more editing on it. But uh, I think for uh, an anniversary that we did. Uh, it was the 10-year anniversary of the data center in Montreal uh, last year or about 18 months ago. Uh, I think we did a uh, virtual reality, uh, you know, run-through uh, of the data center. Let me see. Let me see if we've got that, and maybe we can post it or or share it with you, and you could share it with your uh, your Discord Absolutely. followers. Absolutely, that'd be great. Uh, I've got another question about GovCloud or FedCloud, depending on where you are. Do you have that support for that, or other super high security options for uh, uh, for that that type of uh, critical user data? Is that available, or something that you guys are evaluating? Uh, we don't yet here in the U.S. Uh, only because it, it just has not uh, you know come time for that in the in the company's history. We've only been operating for a little over five and a half years. Um, okay. So yeah, we we don't have FedRAMP, and we're we're not currently pursuing that, but um, I'm sure in the future we will have it. Uh, we do have uh, a lot of customers who are, you know, SLED, state and local government and higher education that don't need the full uh, FedRAMP certification. And like I said, we've got HIPAA and PCI DSS and uh, some other certifications. Uh, now over in Europe, that is a big play for them, but again, they've been around for 20 years and they're, they're really well known uh, in France. Sure. So they do a lot of government and public sector work in France, and they do have specific uh, offerings uh, that meet those uh, types of need over there. And one of them, one of them is called uh, Secnum Cloud um, that they have for, again, you know, French uh, government and uh, public sector and military and things like that. So in, in the future, I'm sure, but we're still, you know, evaluating the market demand for, you know, the sort of customers that we're servicing or gonna service in the future. Okay, so anyone can go check out the OVH Cloud website or the OVH Cloud US, you know, depending on where you are. Uh, we do have a lot of US listeners, but also global as well. But I do have one last question for you. How can, I mean, you talked about the guys spending a, a dollar a month. How can, how can um, young people or people that are reskilling that want to learn, learn how the cloud works, how the, some of these instances work, or how can a small business kind of get engaged with you to, to, to start small? Do you offer any sort of uh, starting credit or free tier or anything like that to, to help them kind of uh, you know, edge into a, a relationship with OVH? Yeah, great question. So we, we've got a couple options. 
Uh, so, yeah, if, if you want to jump right into uh, a bare metal server, like often, you know, we have some of the, you know, the older ranges on sale. Um, okay. The, uh, you know, private cloud, you know, the VMware and the Nutanix stacks, those, those are larger clusters and, and, and more expensive. So that's probably not appropriate for who you're talking about. But on the public cloud side, uh, and we, again, we do it slightly differently than the hyperscalers and some other competitors. But yes, you can sign up right now today. Go to uh, our website, us.ovhcloud.com. You can create an account, uh, create a public cloud project, which is the first step. That's where all your VMs and resources are going to live. Uh, and we'll give you $200 credit uh, to get started. So you can have $200 worth of credits um, to operate uh, until they run out. So that's that's different than you know, on some other providers where you get only like the small, you know, micro mini uh, you know, resources. Now again, we have some some limitations, so you can't come in and just, you know, uh, get necessarily anything until you know we we vetted you a little bit. But yeah, you can certainly get sure. two hundred dollars credit to try out our public cloud. Uh, and then if you're a smaller medium business and you want to move to the cloud, like I said, we're a cloud provider through and through and we don't want to be, and we're not going to be a managed service provider, but we do have something called professional services. We've got experts, cloud uh, architects, and system engineers who will, for a fee, provide you and show you how to get set up or how to move to the cloud. And then if you're a partner, if you are a managed service provider or a system integrator, we're always looking for partners who can help us you know, stand between our cloud and end users. So if you're an MSP uh, or a system integrator and you want to work with OVH Cloud, uh, please contact us. We're, we're happy uh, to meet and want to work with you so that, again, you can help all the end customers who, you know, might need your services on very, uh, you know, uh, high performance for price uh cloud that they might not be able to afford uh, with some other providers. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's all very good info. The, uh, the credit to let, let these guys get in and, and get started, I think is, uh, is a pr pretty compelling feature. So we'll make sure or option we'll link to that in the uh, description so people can find you. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate it, Gregor. It sounds like everything that we had sort of anecdotally thought about OVH, because I'm going to be honest, like when we did the review of the GPU servers, uh, your team pretty much said, hey, Storage View, what do you guys want to do? And we said, we're not exactly sure, but give us a couple weeks to get in there and figure it out. And they said, okay, and and set up, you know, to be clear, set up a credit for us. And and uh, Jordan and, and Vince and Kevin and the guys got in there and, and, and got to work and, and played around with it. And the fact that you guys just let us come in and do our thing without being prescriptive, without asking honestly that many questions was kind of brave <laughs> for, for, for a first engagement uh, on a review. So, you know, appreciate the transparency and, and more of it here in this podcast and your willingness to uh, engage with uh, a couple of these questions on Discord. So, you know, like I said, we appreciate it. It's been a great relationship so far. Uh, we can't wait to see you know, where you go with this and what's next. And, you know, like, you know, we'll link to the, the resources you described uh, on the conversation today for those that want to learn more. But uh, yeah, thanks again for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Oh yeah, thanks so much for having me. Great conversation. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed talking to you and hopefully uh, all of the listeners out there 
uh, got something out of it. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again, Gregor. Appreciate it. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. You too.